Hey, folks, if you've been listening to our show, you've probably heard Victor talk about Hillsdale College. It's one of the few colleges in the U.S. still interested in teaching truth. What you probably didn't know is that they have over 40 free online courses. And Victor is one of the professors in three of those courses, American Citizenship and its Decline, based on Victor's book, The Dying Citizen, How Progressive Elites, Tribalism, and Globalization Are Destroying the Idea of America, The Second World Wars, based on his book by the same name, and Athens and Sparta, partly based on his book, A War Like No Other, How the Athenians and Spartans Fought the Peloponnesian War. Don't you wish Victor would have been one of your professors in college? Well, now you can join him as he covers some of the main ideas of his books with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, for free. The courses are seven to nine episodes long, and they are self-spaced, so you can take them whenever and wherever. I think I'm going to start with American Citizenship and Its Decline, where Victor explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. Hey, start your free course with Victor Davis Hansen today. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash vdh to start. hillsdale.edu slash vdh. <laughs> Hello, ladies. Hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. We are recording on Sunday, July 3rd, 2022. I'm Jack Fowler, the host, the star and namesake Victor Davis Hanson is Martin and Ely Anderson, senior fellow at the Hoover Institution, the Wayne and Marsha Buskey, distinguished fellow in history at Hillsdale College. Victor has a website. It's victorhanson.com. It's a lot of exclusive content there that you should be uh, reading. You have to subscribe, and we'll talk about that later. The first thing we're going to pose to uh, Victor to get his thoughts has to do with our favorite president of the United States, Joe Biden, his terrible, terrible poll numbers, and now the increasing war that he is at with American business and the American citizenry over the crisis we have of inflation. And we'll get to that and Victor's thoughts right after these important messages. Can't pay the IRS? Haven't filed in a while? Receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA has brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, they've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. 
They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Victor. TNUSA.com slash Victor. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, Never Frozen Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? For our listeners, Factor is giving you 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month when you use the promo code VICTOR50 at factormeals.com slash VICTOR50. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Remember, to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month, head to factormeals.com slash Victor50, that's V-I-C-T-O-R-5-0, and use the code Victor50, that's code Victor50, at factormeals.com slash Victor50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. So, Victor, today is the day before, obviously, Independence Day. This podcast will be airing on, I think, uh, the, the 5th, uh, July 5th. So, Independence Day will be in the rearview mirror by the time folks are listening to this, but I, my hope is still that everyone enjoyed it. I have a feeling increasingly across America, those on the left would like to ignore it as they've done uh, somewhat successfully with Columbus Day. The, you, you sense this increasing uh, disdain for celebrating uh, Independence Day. That said, Victor, we can talk about that another time, but I'd like to get your thoughts on things economic. So here's a, here's a couple of background pieces. Today, again, this is Sunday, July 3rd, homepage at the Drudge Report is Biden and Bezos at uh, war. Biden said this on uh, July 2nd. He, he tweeted this, or somebody tweeted for him. My message to the companies running gas stations and setting prices at the pump is simple. This is a time of war and global peril. Bring down the price you are charging at the pump to reflect the cost you're paying for the product, Biden said Saturday morning. Victor, and background to this, two days before that, Biden's economic guru, Brian Deese, was on CNN and he was asked about gas. Now, average, I think, is $4.85 a gallon across the country. And he said um, the high price is about the future of the liberal world order and we have to stand firm. Two things, Victor. Jeff Bezos, 
responded to Biden's tweet saying inflation is far too important a problem for the White House to keep making statements like this. It's either straight ahead misdirection or a deep misunderstanding of basic market dynamics. Victor, you wrote a column a few weeks ago about this. The name of the, the title of the column escapes me, but it was essentially like this is an intent, somewhat intentional to destroy America by Biden. I don't think there's any misdirection here. There's willful intent. So, Victor, this is the big ball of wax on the economy. Biden's poll numbers are now like 31 percent favorable. He'll be he'll be below 30 soon. Have at it, my friend. Well, there's a lot to have at it. Start with the, the premise, Jack, that Joe Biden, nobody knows what or who he is, because almost everything he says is in direct conflict with what he was as a senator and to a lesser extent as a vice president. But we don't even know whether he's sincere or he just seems to be an empty vessel that that was Representative Claiborne inflated after he was deflated in the primaries of 2020. And now he's a, a servant to the lords of, I don't know, neo-socialism. When you say Biden, we're really talking about the two Obamas, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, the squad. They run things. He doesn't know where he is or what he's doing. All he knows how to do is yell and scream, get off my grass. But it's interesting because there was a recent poll and a question was asked, who to blame for high gas prices? And there was a series of alternatives, Putin, the oil companies, Biden. And overwhelmingly, over 50% of the people, despite all this propaganda, blame Biden because they knew that 50 to 60% of the price hikes occurred before Putin invaded Ukraine on February 23rd of this year. And second, they know that there's too many people off the reservation by that, I mean, in the administration, they can't keep the narrative straight that they're trying to help the American motorists. They're not. So you have this new liberal order. We've got to do this and this and this. And we've got the EPA director saying we're transitioning. We've got Biden himself talking about that. And then we have a whole corpus of quotations going back to Stephen Chu from these leftists that they like high prices. So the American public feels like they're guinea pigs. So they look at this. And they think, well, up until now, every one of these characters wanted high oil and oil, gas, diesel prices. Now they're asking the Saudis, they're asking the Iranians, they asked the Russians, they asked the Venezuelans to pump oil. But why would they want to do that to lower the price when they created a higher price? Or if they really did want to lower the price, why wouldn't they go into, we're, we're exporting over 3 million barrels a day now. We were exporting more oil, Jack, than we ever have in history. They just don't want it for Americans. So it's so bizarre, it's hard to fathom what's going on because we have the ability to create a domestic self-sufficient market that in some ways might be immune to world supply and demand. I'm not saying that you're going to punish people by, you know, charging less, you know, $60 a barrel when they could export it for 120 but I'm saying you could have an affordable price. They don't want that. And yet they want to be reelected. And that's the square they have to circle. They, we want to get reelected and say that we help the consumer and the middle class, but we don't want you to pay less for gas, but you want to pay less for gas. So we're going to have to fake it. And maybe world conditions will allow us to have a cheaper price without us achieving that cheaper price by doing things. 
And so, again, the thing that characterizes all of these people, Pete Buttigieg, and Interior, Mallorcas, all of them, and they don't care. I keep saying that they don't care about people. They're not around people. They don't associate with the people. They don't really care if you're out there in Dayton to not today and you're paying $5 a gallon, or if you're going down the 99 in your diesel semi and you're paying $7.05 a gallon, they don't care about you. They don't care about you. And that's what creates this callousness. And when you put that all beneath the veneer of we're left-wing humanists, left-wingers are never humanists. Right. Victor, back on that comment, I uh, the quote I mentioned earlier from Brian Deese, who is the Biden administration's economic guru, that this is about the future of the, the liberal world order. I, I just can't believe it. I, I can believe there is no political wise man at the White House thinking, you know, people that hated the term new, new world order. And, and honestly, I forget the damn term that these uh, Davos people are using right now. Something along the same lines. But liberal world order has to go over worse than new world order. I don't get their fascination <laughs> with this mantra, uh, but he was telling the truth. Uh, yeah, he was. I like to put a plug in for Michael Walsh. He has this uh, new book on The Great Reset. I wrote the introduction to it, but there's some really good contributors in it. Conrad Black wrote a really good essay, among others, Roger Kimball. But it's all about the new liberal order and this group of self-appointed grandees who believe that because of their education or the letters after their name or their inherited or self-made wealth, that, that that is proof of their superior morality and wisdom, and they can get together at Davos or, you know, Sun Valley or wherever they meet, and they can say, you know what, this is what it's going to be. We're going to have a uniform tax rate worldwide. We're going to shut down coal plant with one big proviso. They're all interconnected with China. That's kind of an astounding statement to say, but it's true. Bill Gates, had, he was one of the first to invest in China. Bezos is in China. Disney's in China. They're all in China. So they don't care about China's carbon footprint or India's either. They just say, well, they were former third world countries. We'll give them a pass. But what they're really saying is we got too much money to offend them. And so they're transnationalists. That's a, a globalist. That means that they do not believe in the unique sovereignty of the United States Constitution. And Obama said that when he was president. And they all believe that. They're coastal elites. Here in California, they love to go to Seoul or Tokyo or Shanghai. And on the East Coast, they love to go to London or Paris. That's who their natural affinities are. are. They're not anybody in the interior. And they're not going to change. And so it's very hard. What I'm trying to get at, Jack, it's very hard for them to hide that because it's so ubiquitous. It's like a fish who's swimming in water saying, you know, I love the air. I don't. They have no choice. So every once in a while, like every week, a Pete Buttigieg says something or Biden says something or what's her name? Grenfell or whatever her name is. The energy secretary, Jennifer uh, Granholm. Granholm. She says something or, you know, Anthony Blinken says something or Jake Sullivan says something and they can't help it. And then what yeah. that something is, is. We have contempt, basically, for the American motorists. We don't really care about inflation. Borders are a 19th century construct. Afghanistan was a logistical success. Shut up. 
the FBI, the CIA, the Pentagon, all of these people with badges and sometimes uniforms or guns. They're really now revolutionary police that work for us. So th that's what they feel. Right. And, and they try to hide it and they can't. What I'm mistaken about or confused about is that all of these people out of the hatred of Donald Trump, they have renounced. I mean, I, I don't figure I'm getting off topic. I don't understand Liz right. Cheney, for example. It's a woman who voted 93% of the MAGA agenda. And so then she disagreed with Donald Trump's January 6th speech and, and connected that with violence at the Capitol. Okay, she could have made that. She did. She made an eloquent denunciation. And that's that, right? So I then, guess not. Then why make an entire career that ultimately the trajectory of that decision will mean you have to renounce all of your former conservative position in a fashion that ultimately all these never Trumpers, whether they're David Fromm or David French or Bill Crystal, they find themselves orphaned and their hatred of Donald Trump and who he represents is so much greater than their unease with the left. It poses a dilemma where they converts or are they back where they always want to be? And they were uncomfortable as conservatives. They were kind of edgy anyway, and now they feel comfortable. Whatever the reason is, Lynn Cheney uh, has sort of lied about everything. She said she was not going to solicit dem Democratic votes and urge Democrats to cross party vote. And she's doing that in the primary, exactly the opposite of what she said. She's touring the country. She's supposed to be a representative. She tours the company as some kind of left-wing rock star. Mm -hmm. she's, and then she conducts a hearing in which she hugs Cassidy Hutchinson. And we know that the woman is contradicted by the people, the two people in the car that she said witnessed or resisted Donald Trump. We know that she's contradicted by one of the chiefs of staff, of assistant chief of staff of Trump. We know that she's contradicted by the note. And she says that she wrote, and which I guess you could find out in handwriting or a computer or something, however it was composed, that that wasn't true. So she has zero credibility. And yet Lynn Cheney feels that no compunction to bring in anybody to see if that's true or not. Just bring in a Secret Service person, bring in a Trump person, bring in a handwriting or a computer expert. But they don't want to do any of that. So... Then they just scream about democracy dies in darkness. They're killing democracy. Well, Victor, remember, you know, all politicians are about themselves to some degree, but go back before Donald Trump was even talked about as a presidential candidate. And Cheney was, remember, she was trying to knock off Mike Enzi. Enzi, Enzi he was a good man. Oh, my gosh. What a, so he came to, when we were at National Review, he visited the office there and uh, he, he couldn't have been more a wholesome, decent guy. And that went over like a, uh, a uh, lead balloon. But yeah, everybody in Wyoming, all the friends of the Cheney family, even somebody like Al Simpson, who's very close to the Cheney's, he couldn't, he yeah. couldn't get, get on that, that bandwagon, if you remember. Right. Two things here. I mean, she's about herself. She's she certainly has a will to uh, power of some degree. And I have to believe this. There is and will always be this Cheney, Bush, cabal uh, score settling with with Trump, which is going to go on till uh, everyone's in their grave. And she's she's the person out front fighting that fight for this Cheney Bush uh, land. So 
that doesn't mean she doesn't have her own you know, convictions about this, but uh, I think there's a lot layered in there. I, I would just mentioning Enzi because I had a catastrophic bike accident, I think May 15th of 2014, where I had a severe concussion, knocked, I think, four teeth out, hurt my neck really bad, got hermit's sign, just awful. And but the reason I mention that is that you remember Enzi, he was a good, he was a really good man. And he couldn't figure out why, why she would do this. And then he won. And then he was, wasn't he biking just somewhere in Colorado? And he broke his neck and ribs in a bicycle accident. I, I remember that it was tragic. And he wasn't that old, Jack. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, wasn't he like, oh, maybe he was. I don't know. I shouldn't say that. I don't have any information, but. I think he was a little, I, I'm old, but I think he was like 10 years. He was like 70 something maybe. But he, he I, I think thereabouts, I'll verify it. He died in a bike accident. I'm sure he did. But my point is that was really sad. I mean, to go through, to have to go through being a good staunch conservative from Wyoming and then have to have a primary challenge for what reason? There was no reason other than ego and ambition on her part. And then he won and and then he ended up, tragically dying in a bike accident. I remember I followed that story very clearly. Yeah, you're right. I, on Actually, it was last July. Was it? Uh, yeah. he broke his neck and multiple ribs in a bicycling accident near his home in Gillette. He was flown to a hospital in Loveland. He died. Uh, it took him three days to of hell, but he passed away on July 26th. I, yeah. I, I remember that so well because I, was, I used to ride road bikes, and the fork broke in two, just without warning. It was carbon. It was my fault. It had an accident before. I didn't get it checked. It just broke, and I went, hit my head, went over the handlebars, hit my head, got knocked out, severed my lips, knocked out four teeth, which are no longer with me. And my point is, I was sitting in the emergency yeah. room, and this uh, neurosurgeon came up and says, you uh, have a bruised spinal cord and a concussion and any tingling or loss of sensation that you have, and I did, I still get it, is due to swelling, but your spinal cord is intact. And I said, I got to go lead a tour in um, Eastern Europe in six days. He said, well, you can fly in 30 because of your concussion. But my point that I'm getting at is this is what he said. I want everybody to listen to this. He said, are you a smart guy? And I said, I hope I am. And he said, so let me get this straight. <laughs> he said, you're 61 or 62, according to your chart. I said, yeah. And you want to get exercise? I said, yeah. So you get a thin tire bike with very little resistance. Yeah. And you get up to 16 or 17 miles an hour. Yeah. And it has no stability. And you're hearing your sight decline as you get older. Yeah. And then you fall over on this flimsy 17-pound thing, and you almost killed yourself. I said, yeah. And then he said, why wouldn't you just get a heavier bike with fatter tires that goes slower and makes you burn more calories so you don't have to ride as long, and then you have more stability, and it would solve the problem. And then you can see things and hear things at a slower pace. You burn more calories. You're safer. And I said, yeah. And I went back and got rid of all my road bike. Victor, I 
That's I, all off topics, but no. I well, uh, you sent me the picture of your of yourself. I still have it on my phone. I mean, yeah. you you took a your head, your face took a beating. Uh, on I, I've so. had people say to me, you know, what happened? You don't. Well, I had seventy five stitches inside my mouth and seventy one on the outside. And then I had a concussion and I smashed my nose and had to have a sinus operation later, broke my nose and knocked the four bottom teeth out and had implants. And I had a knee operation. And then but the worst thing was my back. I twisted my neck and every time I bent my head down and my chin touched my chest, I would get these electrical shocks. It didn't happen until two months afterwards. Mm. I didn't know. I thought, you know, I went to one doctor who said, oh, you have MS. But then I went to a really good doctor and he said, oh, happened 60 days after your accident. I said, yep. And you had a swollen spinal cord injury. I said, yeah. He said, you have hermit sign. I said, what is that? He said, it's hyperextension of the spinal cord, myelin sheath. I can't remember, torn off. It'll, it heals kind of irregularly sometime. Uh, in about a year, it will go away. And then every once in a while, if you hit your head or you... You get sicker or something, it'll come back for a while. Don't worry about it. And I thought, wow. And that's exactly what happened. Almost to the day, a year. He was very good. Victor, between your five years of mono, your bike accident, your getting your appendix and part of your colon carved out on a, uh, in uh, wherever, Libya, uh, kidney stones in, in Three of them, yeah. increase uh, this prevailing COVID, I believe I will continue to say you are uh, indestructible. So No, I'm, uh, I'm accident prone and stupid because every one of those situations could have been avoided. Well, this, this long COVID, maybe had I taken Pox Lavoy the first day or two, I might have got, but I don't know. But I'm going to beat this. Every one of them, you have to have an idea that you can beat it. You can yeah. never give up, not to the day you die. So that's my attitude. No matter how bad I feel, if I get up or the symptoms come back, I feel I'm winning. You're losing. Well, I hope and we feel that way about the United States of America. Let's just talk a brief moment here. While you were talking, I I just saw a headline that uh, linked essentially to the comment, offhand comment I made at the beginning, an increasing number of people not wanting to celebrate, uh, it seems, the 4th of July. And lo and behold, here's a a big headline. It's on media. City of Orlando regrets, in quote, impact of fireworks promo, saying people, quote, probably don't want to celebrate, end quote, USA and can't blame them. So here's the story. The city of Orlando issued a statement Saturday after sending out a promotion for the city's fireworks display, which claimed that people probably don't want to celebrate because America is full of hate and adding, we can't blame them. The municipality's city news email on Friday opened with a downer premise and appeal to come on out to see fireworks for their own sake, despite there being nothing good to like about the United States. I, you know, I, I don't necessarily myself think of when we talk about the, you know, the coastal elites that fits neatly into San Francisco to LA and up to Seattle. And of course the, 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 the we'll call it the, you know, the Acela corridor in the Northeast, but man, there are big pockets of this kind of detesting of, of what our nation is across the fruited plains. And, and uh, this uh, example from Orlando is uh, just one of them. 
I know there are other, my state, I've heard, you know, one city or this one, I, I think we're going to cancel the fireworks. You know why? Because uh, it, fireworks bother dogs. Okay, you want to use that lame ass excuse, go ahead. But yeah, we're seeing the, the, the hatred of the 4th of July starting to grow. Any thought? I just threw that at you, Victor. Any thoughts? Only thing about, we always take our dogs up to the mountains because they get upset and then People have a tendency in town to shoot off automatic semi-automatic semi, semi -automatic weapons. And sometimes the bullets will go two miles. And when I go up on my solar panels, I, uh, when I look up at that shed, it's on an old packing shed. I can see there's holes. They go through the tin roof. But so far, they I don't think they've hit any of the panels. So it's pretty wild out here on 4th of July, which I, I don't mind at all. And it's already started. They're already letting yeah. the fireworks 24-7 and homemade fireworks like, you know, aerosol cans and stuff thrown in fires. But the thing about the Orlando story, Jack, is so whenever I hear this, that we're flawed, we have no pride, then I always ask myself, well, what do you have pride in? And what are you happy about? And what do you honor? And what would you do in success? And then I say to myself, well, there's two ways to adjudicate that question. Number one is immigration. So if it's so bad and it's so hostile to marginalized people, the history, the maturity of this country, the current status of this country, why are all these people coming to the United States and risking their lives and entering illegally and none of them are European? So my point is, why are people from Chiapas or Oaxaca or Yucatan or Guatemala or Senegal or Somalia, why do they all come here? Why did AOC's uh, Puerto Rican grandparents come? Why did Representative Omar Somalia, why did Representative Talib's Palestinian, why did they all come here if their grandkids think it was so horrible and they're so oppressed? So the point is, I don't believe they believe that, Jack. I believe that that is simply a rhetorical narrative they use for victim status to leverage the system, either psychologically or materially, because they can't say they're happy. But when I look how AOC dresses or I see how Representative Omar lives, they love it. They love capitalism. They love the luxury. They love the convenience. They love of this country or they'd leave. So it's just a, a narrative, but it's very harmful because uh, it becomes dominant and the, the, the country needs to always be refreshed and re-energized. And it can't be that way when you have people who are parasitical on it. Right. Second thing is, well, let's find places where they don't do these things like Fourth of July and they don't do this thing like deport people here illegally mm -hmm. and you can't have a gun and the homeless are treated as if they don't ever commit a criminal act and you don't make arbitrary constructs that says that looting is a crime. And we have examples, i.e. San Francisco, i.e. Chicago, i.e. Detroit, i.e. Portland, i.e. Seattle. And guess what? People are leaving them all in droves. They don't want to live there. And the people who do live there are starting to throw these people out of office to the extent they can. Mm -hmm. like like uh, District Attorney Boudin or the San Francisco School Board. So my point is that they're nihilist. 
and they're hypocrites. They just sit on the sideline. I don't like this and it's bad. And but where's my cell phone? Where's my TikTok tape? Oh, I'm, I want to stream tonight Netflix. Oh, oh, I'm a marginalized person, or I, I'm a young student with student debt. And it's yeah, 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 yeah. But where is where is wow? <laughs> I'm very affluent. I have right. a car. I've been all, all over the world compared to the rest of the world. Something's different about this. That's why I, I'm not going to move. Oh, I'm living in San Francisco, but I don't walk out at night. Or, oh, I'm living in San Francisco, but I put a little sign in my window, doors unlocked, nothing here. Or I'm looking at San Francisco, but I check the bottom of my feet to see how much human excrement I have. on. That's, that's yeah. what they live with. So it's all a lie. It's a narrative. They don't believe it deep down they do it as performance art virtue signaling but well until 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 they say you know what this is a toxic country and i have least 100 jumbo jets and i've got free tickets to everybody and we're going to go to three or four different countries that that's immune from these toxicities and create paradise or we're going to all move to the free city of san francisco it's empty now. Uh, there's a lot of office space. Nobody. Uh, we're all moving there to make it a better utopia. They don't do that. Yeah. Well, I'm not disagreeing with you, Victor, but I just have to share this and maybe we can move on because it's along the, the same. I mean, this is performance art. It's pretty radical. Here's a uh, this news came out uh, yesterday. So this is Arizona, the Pima, if I'm saying it right, county. Democrat Party has scheduled a, I can't say it, I'll say FUG, FUG the 4th. Tucson Women's March, let's mourn with FUG the 4th at uh, 7 p.m. Reed Park. Bring comfortable shoes, water, lawn chairs, posters, and your anger. Pima County is the home of of, uh, Mark Kelly, the United States senator who's going to be fighting for his life for a reelection. So uh, I, again, back to an earlier thought, like, does anyone have any political sense in this party anymore? Who do they not think this sort of thing is? I, I don't want people hating America. I don't want people even, you know, Democrat leftist Democrats denigrating the 4th of July or the United States. I want them celebrating. It's worth celebrating, but to hate this, is, they hate America. Some of these, folks and to their own it'll be to their own political loss so uh, yeah, I, I don't understand them i'm writing my angry reader uh, collecting them and for the ultra column on and you know they're just insane they're like i hope you are aborted f you <laughs> you're a scum i oh, hope gosh. no woman opens her legs ever again all this really pornographic stuff and it's always from leftist and they never sign their full name it's full, they're always full of grammatical errors. They use scare capital letters. They have five or six exclamation points. They ha- they can't finish a letter without the F word or something pornographic. It's it's part of a creepy culture. Yeah, that everything about it. When I look at those protesters out in front of the Supreme Court justices' homes, the way they're dressed, the signs, you know, the type of demonstrations. It's kind of a stale 1960s stuff that I remember watching. Right. 
and uh, unwashed, dirty. Like I know if your daughter brought one of these guys home, you would say to your daughter, what the hell's the matter with you? I, I know. it, And I remember I, I mentioned that before, but I had this classic confrontation from my father, the World War II vet, who was born in 1921, taking me to UC Santa Cruz dorm in 1971 and walking through there. And it smelled. And we went to the urinal and there was, I guess then it was kind of hip. There were men and, and women, and two of them were in the shower together and fornicating. And there was a smell of marijuana everywhere. And wow. he, he looked at the carpet and he said it was all stained with alcohol and vomit. It was just filthy. And a new and school then, too, wasn't it? Yeah, Relatively new. yeah, it was only four or five years old. And then he looked at all the posters, you know, blank this. And then he met my roommate, I won't mention his name, who turned out to be a very wonderful person, very successful now. But at that time, he was going through a lot of trouble. He had very long hair, and he was in this idea that he would not bathe for a year because of his natural oils. And so I walked in there, about fell over. And my dad said, you're going get to get some deodorant, just spray the whole room if you have to, and keep that window open. But my point, when he left me, he said, you know... I thought this is UC, University of California. It's the closest one to our farm. This is why you're here. It's cheap. This place is insane. He said, I don't know what, how you're going to do it. I don't know oh. how, how you're going to make it here. And I didn't really. But, I mean, I, I, I had advanced placement credit, so I didn't hang out with anybody. I just studied Latin and Greek. You know, didn't, you, didn't you live with your... Did you get a house that you're, you're? Yeah, the first year we were in the dorm, and then my father came back and he said, "Hey, we were. It was a terrible recession, and he had inherited from his father four thousand dollars, and there there was the model home, and it was uh, eleven hundred square feet, three bedroom, two bath. That was considered a nice three bedroom, you know, fifty five years ago. Right. Yeah, it was, it was. brand new, and they wanted twenty four thousand dollars, and four thousand or five thousand. So he used his entire inheritance of 4000 put the down payment, and then we had $160 a month payment. I had two brothers and a cousin, and we took on renters and charged them $50 a room. So we had like five or six, seven people in there, and we made the payment. Stack them, rack them, and stack them. Good. Yeah, and that house, I still own it, and I gave it to my daughter, but it was just a nightmare is what I'm trying to get yeah, at. That whole right. place, that whole culture is a nightmare. And when I hear all of this about the Supreme Court, you know, and abortion and this and that, and I was listening to Elizabeth Warren very quickly, and she's a law professor, and she was screaming at the top of her lungs about the illegitimacy of the court. And I thought, wow, think of all the multifarious attacks on the Supreme Court in the last 90 days. We've got senior senators like Elizabeth Warren, who know better, really telling people not to obey the court and talking about nullification of putting abortion clinics on national parks or federal uh, military bases within red states, which is one of the issues, by the way, that started the Civil War, that not the issue that caused it, but right. the triggers that started it the issue of federal property within states' jurisdiction inside. Right. And then it was March two years ago when we had Chuck Schumer, the ranking Democratic senator, saying, you've sold the wind, you're going to reap the world when you don't know what hit you. And I thought to myself at the time, what does he mean, what hit you? What is the what? 
Right. How how is that going to hit? You mean a bullet? You mean a club? When you said you're you're going to reap the whirlwind, what does whirlwind mean? People showing up at your home, like this fellow who was 26 who showed up at the Kavanaugh home with body armor and uh, all Glock pistol and ready to kill right near the home, ready to kill a Supreme Court justice, or these people who are now Comey Bear outside Comey Barrett's house, or you're going to subpoena Clarence Thomas's wife at the mm-hmm. January, you were thinking of doing that, or you leak a document that's a rough, sort of a rough draft. It's a felony to do that. It's a felony to go out and try to intimidate a judge at his home. And then you have the president of the United States, Jack, at Madrid to his smiling European host attacking the court. Mm-hmm. His own Supreme Court weighs on foreign soil. And then you've got all of them, talk, all of these people talking about packing the court and creating a really kind of a, well, we'll get rid of the filibuster gone for a day, push through 15 judges filibuster back because we're probably going to lose a Senate right. in 2022. And we're going to need that damn filibuster. And Victor, so I, I've never Victor. seen such a sustained attack on the court. Right. And I've never seen where is the faculty at Harvard Law School, Yale Law School, Stanford Law School, University of Chicago saying, stop this. You're attacking justices. Don't right. do this. No, do, it's nowhere. We talked about this last week that in an earlier age in our life now, your lifetime, not mine. The president of the United States called out the 101st Airborne, I think it was 101st Airborne Division, you know, to protect Supreme Court decisions. A Democrat president did that. I mean, we had a military once upon a time that wasn't talking about, let's see, can we use federal land, military lands to circumvent a court decision? The military is actually being used to defend what was an unpopular decision put in much of the country at the time. I kind of think if this was went back in time, John F. Kennedy would be calling out the military to defend the uh, homes of the Supreme Court justices, but not with Joe Biden. I, really- I do. I remember that. That was in, I think it was summer of 1963. George Wallace stood in the door, didn't he, of this schoolhouse door, so to speak, and said, I am not integrating the schools, the University right. of Alabama. And all of a sudden, John Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy got together and they thought, wow, what are we going to do? We need the Southern vote coming up in this next year's election. Blah, 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 blah. But they nationalized the Alabama State Guard and said, you are no longer under the jurisdiction of Governor Wallace and you're going to be reporting to the National Guard. You are National Guardsmen. Yeah, that's what they did. And that's what, you know, they were trying to enforce a Supreme Court ruling. But the problem with the left is they don't believe in any consistency or principle. It's all fluid, and it's all based on their two ideas, Jack. One, what's useful for their equity agenda, and two, how to keep in power. So when you get into states' rights, they're all over the map. States have the right to nullify federal edicts. There is a federal immigration law that says when a illegal alien commits a crime and he's arrested, the local jurisdiction shall contact ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, to deport them or hold them. They don't do that. There's 550 jurisdictions that call themselves sanctuary cities. They're not all cities. They're states, counties, and cities and municipalities. They say to the federal government, screw you. 
I am Bull Connor. I am George Wallace. I don't have to follow the federal government. Okay. So now the states have the right to set abortion laws. And now they're saying, listen, you Confederates, you don't have a right to follow the state. I'm for the federal government. We're going to go into your territory and we're going to find our federal islands and we're going to make abortion oases despite what you say. So what's their idea about nullification? Sometimes when I find it useful and other times when I find it inconvenient, that's what they think. And then their thing, Jack, is all of this abortion protest. If you go back and look at the number of abortions in red states that will probably prevent, it's about 10% of the total number of abortions in the United States. So we're talking about one out of 10 women that it will be more difficult to get an abortion, more difficult in the sense that they'll have to drive across the state line in many cases or fly and their employer will probably pay all of their costs. So that's what we're talking about. 10% of the abortions in the United States will be affected by this. And well, the out of proportion to the population abortions are of minority women and Actually, I, I don't New York, understand. New York has well. New York understand. has more abortions than live birth. New York City. I, I, yeah, I, I don't understand the blue mentality. The blue mentality should be: we want our people to be as fertile as possible, and we do not want minority communities, our base, to abort at higher ratios than the general population, which both the Latino and the Black communities do. And we want to make sure that we have a lot of blue American, but it's kind of a death cult. It's yuppieism, careerism, radical feminism, radical transgenderism, but they have one thing in common, radical abortion on demand. There's not a emphasis on fertility right. and raising children. And I think that's sort of the news behind the news, but why people, uh, the Democratic Party, they talk about the new Democratic majority and demography as destiny, but they don't know that ironically or paradoxically, they're they're talking about their own death. They are. It, it is destiny, but not for yeah, that. It, it is. Yeah. They think, yeah. you know, all these uh, Latinos are going to come in. They're going to be 30% of the population. They're going to have big families, and they're going to go, say, to nasal droning white guy and, you know, Atherton or Hillsborough or Palo Alto or Stanford campus who says, well, I want you to know that there are certain issues of transgenderism and you will be on our climate change uh, rapid response team. And by the way, we would like you to buy, you know, get rid of that pickup and drive a hybrid or electric car and you can buy a t- that. They're not going to listen to those people. And so, the weird thing about all of this is they're import, they're opening the border for people who will probably, in their fight to be upwardly mobile, find the Democratic Party hates them and tries to make it as difficult as possible. And by a second generation, are going to vote against them. And secondly, they're telling all of their constituents that abortion is a wonderful thing. It has no social taboo. And abort, 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 especially minority communities. Right. I don't get it. As much as they hate the white middle class, they probably at some level hate a poor minority because uh, it's a class issue, right? It's not an economic issue. It's a class issue. Yeah, you're right. We'll see. Uh, uh, I make a prediction that if gun control 
is certain elements of the Supreme Court have deemed excessive. And we start to see black middle class people embracing guns to protect themselves. I'm talking about people right. who legally acquire them with training right. and they have them in their homes and they're proud of their guns as a deterrent. And we start to see Latinos voting 55 percent conservative. You'll see the most radical change in the Democratic Party that you right. can imagine. Well, Victor, we got to take a little break here. And then when we come back, we're going to be talking about, oh, my gosh, Megan Rapinoe. I don't know if I can stomach it, but we're going to. We'll, yeah, you we'll, we'll try. Maybe AOC was right, Jack. Maybe you have a crush on her. I, I maybe it's my inner lesbian. Anyway, we'll, we'll get to that right after these important messages. Have you heard of cancer fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and veggies may actually lower, lower your risk of cancer. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. If not, you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is found in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. Will Field of Greens prevent, treat, or cure cancer? No, but it's so powerful, it promises at your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. I got you 15% off and free rush shipping. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R, for your discount. That's promo code VICTOR at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. We're recording on Sunday, July Third, the show is being broadcast through justthenews.com, John Solomon's website. That's our happy home. And this will be up and about on Tuesday, July 5th. Victor mentioned before he has ultra articles and ultra means. These are the exclusive articles he writes at victorhanson.com. I encourage our listeners to check out the website and subscribe. Therefore, read the ultra articles. You want to test it? It's $5 a month. And if you like what you see, and you will, it's $50 a year. Right now, Victor's most recent ultra is about, first part is up of 10 things to expect from the end of Roe v. Wade. Part two is coming shortly, but every week, a copious amount of original material there. Victor, I hope you catalog your kind of early life growing up on the farm and early life Victor in uh, Child's Garden a section on the website. And I wouldn't mind. I'm sorry. It was very funny. Someday you should write about your your first year at school and, and your your roommate with the uh, 
bodily oils method of not bathing. I think it would be funny. So what? Oh, Megan Rapinoe. Okay, Victor, we're going to, there's a whole polyglot of kind of- I should say, just interrupting that- uh, Sure. Of all the people I met at UC Santa Cruz, the fellow who had the body odor and oil, who didn't bathe, whose half of the dorm room was full of all sorts of swords and axes and clubs, (laughs) and who had to be institutionalized, was the sweetest and I think one of the smartest people I've ever met. He didn't attend class at all. It took uh-huh. pass failure. But anyway, my point is that later he was from an immigrant family. He went to San Jose State. He got a real education, came back, and he became a wonderful leader of the community, a very successful business person. And uh, he raised children from what I can tell, I don't. I didn't follow him all that well, but he raised children in the antithesis of the way that he operated those two years at UC Santa Cruz. Well, good, muy bueno. Had a happy, yeah, it had a happy ending. So, Megan Rapinoe, who is she? Well, the name might not immediately register, but she's the athlete. She's married to uh, Sue Bird, who was a great basketball star, actually here at UConn. Five of my children graduate from UConn, Sue Birds from Seattle. Rapinoe was the, you know, quote unquote, leader of the United States women's soccer team. So she's very controversial, very much a loud mouth. I kind of think there was some something with the women's soccer team about going to the White House, which she would have done over a dead body while Donald Trump was president. Anyway, Victor, she came out. So there's a couple of things about her. And then I want to fold this into a larger California story. She attacked the Dobbs decision. Dobbs is the decision that overruled Roe v. Wade and, and KCV Planned Parenthood. And then she attacked, well, let's say abandoned women for supporting trans sports. So Leah Thomas, the UPenn swimmer, who's the the guy who's swimming as a woman, uh, the pinup boy girl for this cause. Megan Rapinoe, woman's right defender, is totally cool with that. Screw Title IX. Now, the White House announced 17 Presidential Medal of Freedom recipients. This is a very prestigious, uh, this is the highest honor an American citizen can receive, as it's portrayed. Megan Rapinoe is getting one. Megan Rapinoe, this is the White House press, but Megan Rapinoe is an Olympic gold medalist and two-time Women's World Cup champion. She also captains OL, OL Reign, I'm not sure what that is, in the National Women's Soccer League. She's a prominent advocate for gender pay equity, equality, racial justice, and LGBTQI plus rights. So she gets Presidential Medal of Freedom. She's from California. She is, yeah. But this has to do with the state of California. It sort of gets back to what you were saying just before the break about uh, sanctuary cities. Here's a story from Washington Examiner by Tori Richards from the other day. California is on the way to becoming a sanctuary state for transgender children who want to circumvent laws banning medical procedures in their home states. A bill creating a safe haven against parents 
insurance companies and other state courts passed a California State Assembly Committee Tuesday. That's last week and last week of June, despite a barrage of testimony from parents and former trans children who wanted the lawmakers to reconsider. It is almost certain to pass the full legislature due to California's Democrat supermajority, becoming one of the first states to create such a safe haven. This article goes on. This is by Tori Richards. Again, it's a Washington examiner. You know, parents saying, what if my kid who's my responsibility, maybe even through the aid of some jackass teacher in the school system, because they pull all kinds of stunts, you know, that uh, circumventing parents. It happens all the time across America. Getting a kid to California where now they're out of the, the parents' control and grasp. But the state of California and Gavin Newsom know what's best. We're going to let you, person who really needs to think this through and maybe make a decision when you become a full adult. But right now, we're in your corner. We're going to let you do whatever the hell you want to your body, slice it and dice it. So, Victor, we have a um, White House that is awarding a transgender advocate someone who is really just stuck a knife in the back of women's sports. We have California uh, about to pull this stunt, probably will become law sooner than later. Yeah. What are you? Uh, I, I don't know cabal. much about Megan Rapinoe. I find her like all of those LeBron James and the rest of them, just terribly ungracious and full of ingratitude for a country that did so much for them. I remember she wouldn't, stand or salute or whatever it was, the national anthem. She got in a little testy exchange about that. The thing about all of them is remember, I hope all of our listeners remember that they are not revolutionaries. They're not even Robespierre Jacobins. These are very much upwardly mobile. I mean, LeBron James is almost a billionaire. Megan Rapinoe, what does she's a spokesman for designer luxury clothes or something? She wants to be wealthy. She wants to be upwardly mobile. She was a product of endorsements of the capitalist system, and she's found a niche. She's like a court jester in the medieval court. You know, the medieval court, everybody was so on the same page that every once in a while, the king had somebody come in and make jokes very carefully about them. That's what she does. That's what LeBron James do. They're court jesters. And they sort of trash the United States and they do that, but not to the point where they ever endorse serious, uh, there shall be no commerce with China, or we're going to have a 75% tax rate on people who make over, you know, or we're going to have a wealth tax on LeBron, never that point. So they're just court jesters, they're not serious people. Gavin Newsom. How ironic that he is well, it's kind of a cult of death again. And he wants to get as many people to come to California to take a life. And that's what it is with an abortion. But everybody's leaving to get a life. In other words, if you really want to live a full life, you leave California. Apparently, he thinks if you want to take a life, you come to California. That's his message. Instead of like, think about it, Jack. He gave $500 million for illegal aliens during COVID. He is going to give over $1,000 for people to buy gasoline, but he doesn't want you to buy gasoline. And he has enough oil in California and natural gas to probably be self-sufficient. We have, I think, the fourth or fifth largest reserves of oil and seventh or eighth of natural gas. But he'd rather import it from Saudi Arabia. And so what is he doing? 
it's we've talked about this before. It's a Bloomberg effect. If you can't address the felony, then you fixate on the misdemeanor. He doesn't know what to do with the transportation system. He hates freeways, and yet he knows that the 99 freeway is the most dangerous per 100,000 miles driven freeway in the United States. It's a road warrior, road of death. When you get on that thing and go from Sacramento to Bakersfield, it is a nightmare. I-5 has plenty of land and area that the state and government own on both sides of it. It could easily be six lanes. It'll never be six lanes. It's deliberately a death trap. 101, you go from Santa Barbara or Ventura all the way up to, you know, north of Santa Rosa, it's a death trap. And yet he is spending $15 billion on a high-speed rail that, to my knowledge, and I go buy it once or twice a week, it hasn't laid one foot of track. It has intersected my Mountain View Avenue, Jack. So for 20 years, I just went down west on Mountain View. I can't, haven't been able to do that for four years. They cut the whole road off because of high-speed rail, and it says stop, and then for I have to make about a five-mile detour, and they haven't done anything. So that's the transportation record of Gavin Newsom. When you go up to forest fires, he deliberately perpetuated Jerry Brown that you do not trim, you do not cultivate, you do not clean, you do not thin the forest. So when you have a drought and a beetle infestation and you have 20 million dead trees, they kind of naturally just sit there. And you know what? They burn, and burn's natural. And we've had two of the most devastating fires in the history of California. Release more carbon gas than a whole year of automobiles and heat. And he did nothing. There is no timber industry in the United States that's been in California. It's been destroyed. So energy, don't drill. No more offshore leases. No more expansion of the Bakersfield fields, no more fracking, new fracking, no more Monterey Basin, no more freeways, no affordable housing. California is a huge state, but zoning laws, regulations, we're not going to make affordable housing because who cares about the lower middle class? Nobody cares about them. And highest taxes in the United States, though, you know, I don't know what gas is in New York City, but it's $7 almost, six eighty-eight. In my little poor impoverished community and diesel the other day was 705. And that is simply because we have the highest gasoline taxes and we have the highest blended fuels regulations at costly. And we've got the most, uh, except for Texas, I think we burn more oil and gas than any other, any other state. We have the highest electricity. We have the highest number of homeless people, greatest number of homeless people. We have one-third of all welfare recipients. 21% of the population lives below the poverty level. One out of every four people was not born in the United States that resides in California. So there are plenty of things for Gavin Newsom to do. But if he can't do any of them because he's an idiot and he's spoiled and he's an, you know, an icon of a privileged quid pro quo landscape of the nature of the, you know, the Feinsteins, the Barbara Boxers, the mm. Nancy Pelosi culture in which you either inherit wealth or you make it through the Chinese. If you're in that milieu, you have, there's no merit process that made him governor. He was anointed by that, right. that money and that status okay. and that name. And he's completely clueless. And he thinks that 
if I virtue signal and say, oh, the COVID lockdown gives us an opportunity for a more progressive capitalism. Why don't you just pay your property tax on time if you'd believe that you want to be a progressive capitalist? He's had problems with that. He has two mansions, at least until recently. My point is he doesn't ever address a fundamental problem like forest fires, transportation, oil, reservoirs, water. He will not build the reservoirs that were voted for by the ballot proposition by the voters. And so if you can't do any of that, then he fixates on we're going to be an abortion Mecca. We're going to be an illegal alien Mecca. We're going to be the Mecca where we don't put people in jail when they shoplift under, you know, $950. Isn't he running ads, kind of quasi-presidential ads yeah, also in yeah, Florida? Yeah. I thought I read that somewhere. His ad is basically, I look like a model and I have a gravelly voice, so don't think I'm effeminate. But he doesn't know anything. Then every once in a while, when there's a lot of pressure, he gets this kind of, uh, he goes, probably goes into, I don't know, Abercrombie and Finch or something, and he outfits himself in a safari getup. He wears kind of pocketed vest and hiking. Oh, yeah, to clean up the rain, the train yes. tracks. Didn't he, he do something like that? Yeah, he goes down there and he picks for about an hour with a photo op and picks, uh, you know, the Wild West train tracks. Uh, with nice studs, yeah. Yeah, it looks like that scene in Butch Cassie where they blow up the train and all the stuff's looted everywhere. That's what right. the train tracks in California look like. Or he goes up, you know, he goes up to Paradise or wherever there's a fire that is a direct result of his policies. And then he, you know, he walks around, gets ashes all over him. And that's what he does. And so well, he's not going to be president of the United States. He's sort of like uh, Cory Booker mm. or Kamala Harris that before anybody knew anything about them, we, before we knew Spartacus or the protests are going to continue and they should continue, before right. we knew those people, we said, wow, they're young, they're attractive, they're outspoken, so they would be a good candidate. But then we said, but we've never heard them really for more than a minute. And after a minute, they have nothing to say because they're ignorant and they're poorly educated. And they're arrogant. They also have with Biden, they have the imaginary like Corn Pop. Corey you know, Booker has a, a T-Bone, the imaginary I, friend. And I uh, this and, idea, you know, that you and I should do a show on all of the imaginary names and imaginary right. creatures that the left creates. Right. So there's fake Corey identities. Booker, who right. is T-Bone? T-Bone was his uh, was his friend that he said, uh, gosh, he's he saved him from a fire or something. But no one knows. No one ever knew T-Bone. T-Bone, uh, no corn pop. So he knew corn pop. And I think one of them dated one of Obama's imaginary girlfriend. Uh, Who was, yeah, composite was the one girlfriend. That, that he had to crush or something well he, yeah, yeah he had he, she was he no longer black or something she well was, there were three of them victor there were three ladies uh, combined uh, into one uh <laughs> and, and then you, got, you remember the lady in, in fictive uh, memoir remember that term well it wasn't all about robbie it was a fictive memoir fictive well so, yeah, yeah and so they and then barry sortello becomes sortello uh, Barry Soweto. Obama. What was his name? Is it Soweto? Soweto. Like I don't know. No. Yeah, Sotelo or whatever it was. It, it transmogrifies. <laughs> birth certificate. Yeah, transmogrifies <laughs> as the political opportunities. Yeah. yeah. And so 
all of these these people. And there's Joe Biden. Gosh, all these stories slamming people's head down on the lunch counter and arrested in South Africa, black uh, my truck driver. Yeah. Baseball hero. They hit a home run. Roger Staubach's uh, competition at the Naval Academy, maybe. It's like Walter Mitty on crack. (laughs) They have, you know, I don't know who their names are. I don't know who they are. I don't know anything. They create these identities and I don't know why they do it. Why can't they just use their real name and you know, everybody lies that's a politician, but just keep the lies within right. the parameters. But right. Gosh. Approvable or unprovable. All right. Anyway, Victor, we're going way over time here. So uh, we've got to take just one quick break and then we'll come back for the finale. So yeah. we'll be back right after these important messages. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson show. You're listening to this on July 5th or later. It was recorded on July 3rd. A couple of other topics we're going to bring up in our next recorded podcast. I just want to get in quickly. I'm Jack Fowler. I write Sybil Thoughts, weekly email free, no strings attached, no risk, no harm, email newsletter for the Center for Civil Society. And if you're interested about the Center for Civil Society, which is a program of American philanthropic, check it out, centerforcivilsociety.com. Sign up for the newsletter, civilthoughts.com. Again, Victor's website, victorhanson.com. Victor, we're going to end the show with a, as we always do, but there's a question involved. And this is one of the uh, listeners' comments that have been put up on um, Apple Podcasts. We thank all our listeners for listening, no matter what platform they listen on. If you're on Apple, do consider a rank rating, one to five stars. Most people leave five stars. This show's average is 4.9 something. So we, we're, we're pretty confident our listeners uh, really enjoy Victor's wisdom shared now four times a week, twice with me, twice with Sammy, the great Sammy Wink. We read the comments that some people leave when they do the ratings. And here's one that has a little question. Uh, and Victor, maybe you can answer this if you feel like it, and then we'll wrap it up. It's titled Love the Show. And it's written currently in the UK to do the Hadrian's Wall hike. So I hope to listen to a few of your shows while I'm doing that long walk. 
I was just in France for 10 days. And even after one day in the UK, you can just see the totally different work ethic here. Cranes everywhere in Manchester. And I could actually get a coffee and go for a walk before 10 a.m. Love the show, but had a quick question. I'm a PET, physical ed teacher in a northern Virginia school district that has gone beyond woke. Luckily, as a PE teacher, we avoid it. Would you push back in meetings and state my opinion? I work in a great school and they pay us well here. So I'm worried to become that teacher and have a target on my back. John, this is signed by John Hop 25. Yeah, that's the question, Victor. You know, keep your head low or uh, speak up. What do you think? I don't know what to think. I mean, I feel that uh, I'm blessed to be in the United States. People that were, I'm in the San Joaquin Valley. I'm in a kind of a hostile state, but in the San Joaquin Valley, people share this person's love of work. And I'm speaking on a Sunday morning and two people arrived at seven o'clock this morning to work on wiring my old home. They didn't have to, they wanted to come on a Sunday. They're putting in mini split air conditioners that never been installed in a 150-year-old house upstairs. I watch these people work. I look at what they make. I look at what they pay for fuel. I have great admiration for people. So one thing, I just when you read these letters, Jack, just to get off on a more general topic, you get the impression that it's more than half the country is the same country. And they look at what's going on in their cities and in their Washington and New York or San Francisco, and they hear the media and professional athletes and Hollywood stars and corporate CEOs and university presidents and foundation heads and Silicon Valley magnates. And they think, you know what? These people are absolutely blank, blank crazy. And I'm willing to just ignore them and tune them out. And those people don't want, don't want to give you that freedom. They want to get in your face. And it's not enough that they know you don't like them. And it's not enough for them to know you don't want to be around them. I'll just finish with this metaphor, simile, excuse me. I have a dog, and the other dog doesn't like him, right? He just wants to be free of him. Mm-hmm. But this stupid dog will go next to him. And this stupid dog doesn't like him either. But this dog, I'll call him Spike. Okay. He goes over to Sport's face and he barks in it and he follows him around. He just follows him everywhere and barks, barks like, I'm, I know you don't like me and I don't like you, but I can't stand the idea that you don't like me. So I'm going to get in your face. And it just goes on forever. And then finally, the, the dog Sport will turn around who can beat him up and really take a chunk out of him. But right. he usually just says, get the F away from me. And I think that's what all of our readers and all of our listeners and all right. of these people are saying. You know what? We thought we could just hibernate. We thought we could just live in the rural life. We thought we could just live and hang out with our friends, cook on the 4th of July, go to the fireworks. We thought we could just never go to a Hollywood movie again. We wouldn't have to. We, we don't really care about who's the latest celebrity or the late night comic or right. rapper or we don't watch the Super Bowl halftime show. We don't want to watch the NBA. We don't really care what Joe Biden says or does. We just want to check out. But you can't. You can't because you can't be. They had a word 
an idiotes in Greek. It didn't mean an idiot, although that's what idiot is derived from. It means somebody totally inward. Mm-hmm. And there was a great book once written called The Quiet Athenian. And it was talked about a whole group of people who were so turned off by radical French revolutionary style, fourth century Athenian democracy, that they just checked out. They were sort of such Socratic people. They didn't want to have anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. And they're in play. You, you get them described in Euripidean plays and in Plato's dialogues. But my point is this, is that you can't be a quiet American anymore. They they want to make sure that if you're on your five acre place, that you do not have an AR-15 shooting targets. They mm-hmm. want to make sure that if your daughter is running track, that there's a former male that beats her for social justice and ruins her track yep. career. And showers with her. Yeah. And, sho- yeah. and they want to make sure, they want to make sure that if you want to just take your family and go up to the lake, that you're going to pay $5 a gallon. You just want to make sure that's going to happen. Right. And if you go into the big city, they want to make sure that you're going to step over a homeless person or that somebody's going to come in and rob you or car, or you're going to have to put a sign in on lock or something. They want to get in your face. They want to control you. They don't want to be, I don't know, I mean, the people who are doing all this, the Obamas have three mansions. Hillary has mansions. Gavin Newsom has man. They all, Pelosi has mansion. Yeah, so did Stalin and the Politburo. Yeah, that's the <laughs> yeah. point, isn't it? Right. The left yeah. always wants to torment the middle class from the safe position of their moat and keep. Mm-hmm. So I have great empathy for all the people who write in and listen, but I, I just feel that all of us can no longer... We have to appreciate the country, but boy, if you've never voted, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for because we're nonpartisan in the right. sense of political, but you've got to vote in November. Your friends have to vote. Your family has to vote. You have to send a message that this is not going to go on. If we don't, then we deserve what we get. We're going to get it too. You know, Victor, my last word for me is that uh, reading the Gulag Archipelago last year, there were some people who thought, well, I'm a chess player in the Soviet Union, so I I can ignore all this madness because what does dialectical materialism, et cetera, have to do with, you know, Queen's uh, pawn to Rook 7, whatever the hell. But no, there was no escaping it. They no, anything no. you did, uh, what the hell? You're a farmer. They got you. Why would they have find you can't a Soviet way? To, right. I, I know we're over time, but I'll just finish with this. So each evening for about 35 minutes, I've had this long COVID for nine weeks. So I go on and I just say long COVID news, see what the latest, you know what I mean? Some pathetic yep. attempt to see whether it's a new probiotic or citrulline or some type of new regimen even, meditation, just to see if anything would work. You can't escape it. You know what I find on the Google searches? What? Long COVID impacts marginalized communities more. And it's always somebody is culpable or big city person doesn't not have enough women on particular medical team or white male mentalities hurt. And I'm thinking, wow, can't we just take a deep breath and take all of that energy, that diversity, equity, inclusion energy, this commissar energy, and put it towards saving people of color and women from long COVID by just stressing science, science. 
this is uh, worldwide, 7 to 10% of the 190 people, the million that we know have it. Can't we just use all of that collective energy and find something that would help you rather than waste, waste, waste on who doesn't feel inclusive and who didn't do this? And it just, you know, if you look at Paxlovoid, you want to find out if it helps long COVID. Paxlovoid, denied representation in the minority communities or somebody has more access or is right. it inequality is going to disappear. But it, it's so Soviet and it's very scary because the Soviet Union spent so much time uh, at least originally it did, just going after people. They're ideologically constantly wasting resources to make sure you had an ideologically correct orthodox attitude. Right. And then you'll never find answers to questions if you're not empirical. When we look at our system, the status of air traffic control or passenger jets or pilots or the number of attendants that are available to work on planes or the supply chain or the failure, the utter failure of the medical profession. And basically, when we talk about COVID, whether it was the lies about the vaccination being you know, one shot, forget about it, it's just overwhelming. I think a lot of it's to do because we're not focusing on empirical research and don't worry about all these extraneous issues. Just find the answer. Right. All right. We've got to go, my friend. I mean, this is a bucket load of wisdom today. Thanks very much for it, Victor. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Bye-bye. It's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.